Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Let's get started. Today's daf in Masechus Gitin is daf Samach Dalid, 64. We're beginning at the Mishnah, the bottom of Samach Gimel Amud Beis. And we're going to have four parts in today's daf. So the first is going to be a Mishnah which illustrates to us that it's not enough for a woman to appoint a shliach of Kabbalah, but there also has to be witnesses involved, which we'll figure that out. We're going to have a second section at Samach Dalid Amud Aleph that deals with debates as to if there's a contradiction between the husband and the shliach who received the get. What's the res- resolution to that? And we'll have similar scenarios. We'll move on to Samach Dalamud Beis, and there's going to be a machlokis in the Mishnah as to who can accept the get of a girl when she's a nara hameorasa. We'll see about that. That'll lead us into a, the, the final discussion, which is going to be relating to certain girls that if she's not of a certain level of intellect, perhaps she can't be divorced. And then that'll lead us into a discussion about children and acquisitions in general, if they're able to make kinyanin. So let's get started. We're at the Mishnah. And the Mishnah teaches us as follows. So a woman says to a shliach, go accept my get from my husband. So she makes him into a shliach Kabbalah. So the Mishnah tells us, There has to be two pairs of witnesses involved. So two people, which is the first pair, have to say, we saw her command the shliach to be the shliach Kabbalah and accept the get. And there's another pair of witnesses who has to say, that the shliach accepted the get from the husband in front of us, and he tore it up. Now, why would he tear it up? We'll see in the Gemara, this is a unique circumstance. But you need two pairs of witnesses, one saying we saw the command, that he should be the shliach Kabbalah, two, that he actually accepted the get from the husband. And the Mishnah says it doesn't necessarily have to be four people, because you could have one pair that acts as both pairs of witnesses, one pair who saw the command that he's a shliach like Kabbalah, and also received the get from the husband. Turn this down with Adam and Aleph. Or you could have one person as part of the first group, one as part of the second group, and one joins both of them, and you could have three people ultimately. It doesn't make a difference how many number of people it is, you just need two different groups on both different instances. Now the Gemara introduces, for the second section, a debate in this following circumstance. You have a situation like this. A woman sends a shliach Kabbalah to receive a get from her husband. Her and her husband live in the same city. Okay, so Reuven's divorcing Leah. They both live in Miami. She sends a shliach Kabbalah to her husband's house to accept the get. The husband gives the get to the shliach, and now there's a debate as to what was the intent of the giving. The husband claims, I did not give it for divorce. I only gave it as a deposit for the shliach to hold on to. And the shliach says, no, you gave it for divorce and your wife is divorced. This is a debate. So the Gemara tells us this is a machlokis about this. Itmar. Baal omer lepikadon. So the husband says that I only gave it as a deposit to the shliach for Kabbalah, but not that my wife should be divorced. The shlish omer, and again, the shlish, the third party says, no, you gave it to me actually so your wife should be divorced and she is divorced, therefore. So, who's believed? 
So there is a machlokas. Rav Huna, Amr Baal Neman, Rav Huna says the husband is believed. Rav Chizda, Amr Shalish Neman. Rav Chizda says the third party is believed and she is divorced. It was not a deposit. So what's the logic? Rav Huna, Amr Baal Neman, Rav Huna says the husband is believed and it was a deposit and she's not divorced. And what's the logic in that? Because again, remember, the husband and wife live in the same city. Because if he really wanted to divorce the woman, he would have just given it to her directly. And the Gemara Rav Huna assumes the fact that they live in the same city. She lives down the block. If he really wanted to divorce her, he wouldn't give it to a shliach to give. He would have just given it to her directly. It must be. He gave it to a third party as a, as a deposit. Deposit, not as divorce. Rav Chizda Amar Shalishnem. Rav Chizda says the third party is believed and she is divorced because Dahahimne. Because we say the following Svara. You, husband, entrusted this shliach, this third party, with this get. If you trusted him with this get, and therefore you trusted whatever he would say later, we're going to trust what he's saying as well right now, and therefore we're going to say, if he says it was a divorce, then the woman's divorced. That's the machlokis. Now the Gemara challenges the opinions. So Masiv Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba challenges Rav Huna's opinion. Again, Rav Huna's the one who says that the husband is believed and, and she's not divorced. So the challenge is that the Brisa teaches us, it says that the admittance of one of the litigants is like a hundred witnesses. Meaning if there's some sort of a debate between litigants and one of them says, you know, I concede, I admit. It's as if there's a hundred witnesses testifying for that position because he is one of the litigants and he's admitting. But the Brisa says, the third party would be trusted over both of the litigants. Ketzad, what would be the, the example that the shlish is trusted over both of them? Zeomerkach, Zeomerkach. You have two litigants about some monetary case. Now let's just uh, set it up so that it's similar to the case of Gittin. Uh, shlish says, I send money to you with a third party. I say I only gave it to that third party as a deposit. And the third party says, no, I gave it to you, to, to the shlish, to the third party, to deliver to you. To be your shliach, basically. So the Brisa says, if each of the litigants claims something, I say I only sent it as a deposit, you're the other litigant, you know how you sent it, that I should be zoche in it. So shalish ne'eman, the Brisa says, the, the shlish, the third party is believed, and he says that it belongs to you, so he's trusted. So says the Gemara, what do you see? That when there's a contradiction between the litigant and the shlish, you go with the shlish. So says the Gemara, if there's a contradiction between the husband and the third party here, the third party should be believed. Question on Rav Huno, says the husband's believed. So the says, Shani Mamon, that's different. Mamon, monetary cases are different than Gitin. Because when it comes to monetary disputes, there is a concept of Mechila. If I owe you money, you could be Mochel, you could give up that loan and I don't owe you that money anymore. So in a similar way, if I give money to this third party, I clearly trust this third party, to a certain degree at least, even if I'm doing it for a deposit purpose. And my intention is, I trust what he's going to say later. Since I trust what he's going to say later, if he says later that this is money that was given really to be delivered, or really that he should be zocha in it for you, the recipient, so then he's trusted. But regarding Isser, Gitin, there's no such concept. You can't be mochel on your wife's marriage. You need a get to break a marriage, so therefore it's not effective. So the Gemara said, and therefore the husband will be trusted over the shliach. Says the Gemara, but the Brisa said, it's the same thing with Gittin. So it implies that the shlish is trusted even for Gittin. So the Gemara says, the word Gittin could refer to general Gittin mamon. It could refer to documents of a monetary 
purposes. It doesn't necessarily mean gite noshim, like woman divorce contracts, it could also be a monetary. And there, there's mechila, so therefore we would trust the shlish. The problem is, v'hatanya, but seemingly the same b'risa says, v'chein l'shtaros. It says, same thing regarding shtaros, regarding documents. And if that's talking about monetary disputes, so then gitin has to be referring to actual divorce contracts. And you see, the shlish is believed. So Gemara resolves and just says, it's not necessarily these two b'risos, these two statements are contingent on each other. Were they taught in tandem with each other, next to each other? It means it could be these are different b'risos scattered throughout shots. You can't imply one from the other. They could both be talking about monetary uh, cases. Okay, now the Gemara quotes our Mishnah, which is really going to be a question on both opinions, because really, this dispute between Rav Huna of Chizda is only where there's a debate between the husband and the shliach as to what the intent was. But the implication is, if they would both agree, let's say the husband would say, I gave it to him for divorce, and the shliach would say, I accepted it for divorce, what should be the halacha? It should be believed, and the, the woman should be divorced. The problem is, Tanan, look at our Mishnah. If the woman says, I want you, Shliach, to accept my get for me as a Shliach le Kabbalah. And the Mishnah says, And there needs to be two pairs of witnesses. So two of them who say, She commanded this Shliach to be a Shliach le Kabbalah in front of us. And two other people who say, That in front of us he accepted the get from the husband and he tore it up. So the Gemara says, why do you need pairs of witnesses here altogether? If you trust the third party, as long as there's no contradiction, so why don't you trust the third party? He says he accepted it as a divorce contract. She's divorced without any witnesses, so what's the purpose of the witnesses? So this is really a challenge against both Rav Huna and Rav Chizda. So the Gemara answers, Is the get under his hand that he should be believed? means the Gemara says like this, If the Shliach still had the get properly, so then he could say, look, I have a migu. This is how Rashi explains. I have a migu. Migu, since I could have theoretically delivered it now, because I still have a valid get under my hands, so therefore you should trust me on what I'm saying, that I accepted it for a divorce. But he does not have a valid document under his hands. What does he have? A torn document. That's the case of the Mishnah. So that's why you need some sort of uh, witnesses here. So the Gemara says, Tenach Amra. That would make sense why you need witnesses who say she commanded him to be a shliach le Kabbalah, because you have no proof for that other than the fact that she did. So you need witnesses on that, as the get isn't proof to that as it's torn. But Kibelamali, in the end of the day, he has a torn document under his hands. So that should be evidence to say clearly he accepted it and tore it up. If that's the case, why do you need witnesses on that? So Amar Rav, Rav responds, Hamani Rabbi Lazar. This is the opinion of Rabbi Lazar. We had earlier in the Masechda. To Amar who says, Edi Mesira Karti. He says that when it comes to divorce, what are the main witnesses that are necessary? The witnesses at the time of the transaction. Rabbi Meir argues and says, Edi Chasima Karti, the ones who sign in it. But since the ones at the time of the transaction, according to Rabbi Lazar, are necessary, you need two witnesses there in general, as well as here, to say we saw the transaction. The so Gemara just wonders on the side, Karalamali. Why is the case of the Mishnah where he tore it up? Meaning that you don't have to tear up every get. That's not how it goes. So why is the case of the Mishnah such? So This was a specific case where it was talking about where there were decrees from the government that Jews can't do mitzvahs. Now one of the mitzvahs is divorce through Jewish law, which is through gittin. So in order that the government wouldn't get upset, they used to tear up the gittin the moment they would receive it so the government wouldn't find out. That happened to be the case of the Mishnah, and that's why we discussed it. 
All right, let's move on to the second uh, section of the second part here. So, Amar, Amar Rabba Umoda Rav Huna. So, Rabba says like this, Rav Huna would agree, even though he says the husband is trusted over the shlish, the third party, Rav Huna would concede, that if the woman herself would say, that the third party told me, that the husband gave it to him for divorce purposes, the woman would be believed. Now, this is a difficult position, but what Rabba seems to be saying is, Ravuna generally says the husband is believed. He, if the woman would say, the third party told me, husband gave it to him for divorce, then the woman's believed and the shlish is supported. The problem is, Could it possibly be the shlish himself is not believed? And we're going to trust the woman to tell us what the shlish told her. You don't trust the shlish in the first place. El the Gemara says, "I amra Rather, Rabbi says, "What what Ravuna would concede is like this: If the woman said, I was there when the husband gave it to the shlish, so meaning she says I was in the room, husband gave it to the third party to accept on my behalf, and it was for divorce, mehemna, she would be trusted. Why would she be trusted? Because then she could have just said, the husband gave it to me directly. If she was actually there, so she could have said, the husband gave it to me directly. So therefore she'd be trusted to say, I saw him give it to the third party as divorce, and therefore she'd be divorced. Now the Gemara introduces a related discussion where there's an agreement in all three parties. And now the question is going to be, is there believability or not? Baal Amr Legerishin. Let's say the husband says, now this is not talking about where she made a shliach Kabbalah. The husband appointed a shliach to deliver it to her. And the husband says, I gave it to the shliach for divorce. The shlish Amar in the third party says, Legerishin, that he gave it to me for divorce and I delivered it to the woman. So meaning, they're all in agreement so far. Vehiomeris, and the woman says, that the get was given to me by the shlish, by the third party, but it was lost. So now we don't have a get to actually prove any position. She can't pull it out and say, look, I got it. But everybody's in agreement as to, the, as to what happened. So I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, This is a matter of erva, which is uh, forbidden relations. Whenever it comes to such rulings, you need two witnesses. Since you don't have two witnesses, she's not considered divorced. Says the Gemara of Amai. But why is that? Again, why don't we trust the third party? There's no disagreement here as to what happened. So the third party saying, I delivered it for divorce purposes. Why isn't she not considered divorced? Why is that not enough? So the Gemara answers, Again, the, the get is not under his hands that we could trust him. If the get was in his possession or in her possession, someone's possession, you'd be able to trust to say that she was divorced. But you don't have it here. Therefore, he, doesn't, he loses his credibility. He has no argument and he's not able to say that she's divorced. Asks the Gemara, and I'm going to go through three options here. Why don't we trust the husband? The halacha is, if a husband walks to court and he says, I divorced my wife, he's believed. Now, why is the husband believed in this case? Because the husband has a certain argument as follows. He could say, Why would I lie about this? If I really wanted, I just write up another divorce contract and divorce her. So the point is, why wouldn't we trust the husband in this regard too? So the Gemara answers, problem is, is the husband saying I divorced her? He's not saying I divorced her. What is he saying? I gave it to a shliach to deliver to her to be divorced. But he doesn't know what happened after. So therefore, what's that? 
We don't know that it did, exactly. All the husband knows, he gave it to a shliach. Therefore, who says the husband can be trusted, meaning he doesn't even know that she was actually effectively divorced. So the Gemara says, oh, but let's go to the second step. We have a chazaka that a shliach carries out his mission. A messenger takes care of what he needs to. The Amr of Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak taught us, we learned this in Nazir. Okay, so somebody says to a shliach, go and be mekadesh a woman for me. But he doesn't say which woman. Mm-hmm. Now the shliach goes on his way, and then what ends up happening is, the uh, messenger goes and he dies. Is that the way to read it? It goes together? Yeah, and the agent dies. So now you have a problem because the original, the sender, said, go marry any woman for me. The agent goes, we don't know if he married a woman or didn't marry a woman, and he dies. Now what ends up happening is that fellow's married to some woman who he doesn't even know about. Brothers are... Exa- well, for him, he has a problem because he's forbidden in all the women in the world. We assume the shliach carried out his mission. If it's the woman's sister or mother or daughter, yeah, or he's yeah, prohibited to all of them. So he becomes prohibited to all the women in the world. That's what Rabbi Yitzchak teaches us. It says the Gemara in this case too. If the shliach is saying, I gave it to that woman and she's divorced, why do we not believe him in this case to say, she's actually divorced? So this is a Gemara actually quoted in Nazar actually. So the Gemara answers, We only apply that as a stringency. We assume the shliach does his mission and he'll be prohibited in all women. That's a major stringency. But as a leniency, in this case, to permit the woman who supposedly was divorced, we're not going to necessarily say the shliach fulfills his mission and therefore the woman will not be deemed divorced. All right, the final attempt, though. <clears throat> Why don't we trust the woman herself? Based on Rav Huna, Rav Hamnuna, Rav Hamnuna, because Hamnuna teaches. If a woman turns to her husband and says, "You divorced me," Ne'emenes, she is believed. This is also Chazaka, Chazaka, because we have a presumptive status. We had this in Kesuvis. You've almost said a few times because we have a status that a woman will not have such a chutzpah to turn towards her husband and say, "You divorced me," unless he really did. So if she's saying that here, why isn't she believed? Gemara answers, She will not have such the gall, such a uh, chutzpah, if unless if nobody's supporting her. But if someone's supporting her, in this case, the husband's saying she was divorced, the shliach is. So meiza she would have the chutzpah, and therefore that's not necessarily proof she was genuinely divorced. That's why she's not going to be divorced in the end of the day here. All right, let's go to the third section now. The Mishnah says, you have to take something. Oh, okay. The Mishnah tells us now a new, new halacha. Nara hameorasa. Now, it's important to note there's three stages of development when it comes to a girl. We have the stage called kitana, which is under 12 years old. Naros, which is from 12 to 12 and a half, roughly. Two pubic hairs uh, till 12 and a half. And then 12 and a half, she becomes what's called a bogeres, which is a full-blown, full-blown adult. During that period between 12 and 12 and a half, she's a nara. Now, a nara is a gedola in a certain way but she's also under the jurisdiction of her father in a certain way as well. Now, in addition, if she's me'orasa, we know there's two stages of marriage. There's erosin and there's nesuin. So if she's a nara who is me'orasa, she's a nara ha'orasa, betrothed, you could call it. She's not fully married. There's a debate as to who has the right to accept her get if her husband wants to divorce her. The Mishnah tells us, nara me'orasa, when it comes to a girl who's a nara, 
who is only betrothed and hasn't received Nesuin yet. Tanakama says both her and her father have the capacity to receive her get. Amr of Yehud, Rabbi says, No, you can't have a situation where two hands have the ability to merit in one, in one, in one thing. Rather, her father accepts her get by himself. Until she leaves her father's jurisdiction, she cannot accept her get on her own. Her father's the only one with that capacity. We'll see in the Gemara what the debate is based on. Now the second halacha of the Mishnah is, If a girl is not able to protect her get, she's not able to be divorced. Now, that means that there's some degree of das, of intellectual competency that's necessary for a girl to be divorced, which means if a girl is totally incapable of any level of protecting her get, she receives again, she has no ability to protect her, take care of it, she cannot be divorced. And therefore, that guy would be stuck essentially if she's too young, She'd have to grow up, or basically it's like a shota. This gets into problematic cases, but we don't, anyways, we don't marry Kitanim today, so this isn't really an issue. But a shota, for example, would be a problem mm-hmm. to some degree. And uh, the Mishnah here just states that. We'll explain this more in the Gemara as well. Says the Gemara, What is the point of debate between the Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda? So the Gemara says, Rabbanan Sabri, the Rabbanan hold. Really, the father originally has the ability to accept it when she's a Kitana. But yada yaserta zachi rachmana. The Torah gives her an extra hand, meaning it's to say beforehand only your father could accept it, and now you also have the ability to accept the get in addition to your father. Rebuta says no. When her father has the ability to accept it, her hand is meaningless. Her hand doesn't take any real effect to accept it, and therefore she can't accept it as long as she isn't still a Nara Morasa. Now, by the way, I'll just point out, if she actually accepted Nisuin, then she's already in her own dominion, and therefore she'd be able to be divorced with her own acceptance because she's looked at as an adult, basically. Father married her off. Father married her off, let's say, right. Exactly. Now the Mishnah continued, So we said where she can't guard her get. So Tanur Rabbanon, the Bryce explains, If you have a child, a young a girl, who's married, and she knows how to protect her get, she could be divorced. If she does not know how to guard her get, she cannot be divorced. What is the Kitana stage that's considered able to accept her get? Sorry, before I say this, so Rashi explains over here what is this based on because the Pasuk says, It says the husband divorces her and sends her from his house. This only would be effective if he could send her and she would not return. That's when a divorce would be considered effective. If she doesn't really understand the parameters or the uh, degree of divorce, then it's not considered effective. And therefore, this is how the Gemara lays it out. So the Gemara wants to know, well, how do we determine that? So the Gemara says, Kol acher. Now, this is a little bit vague. We'll see what it means in a moment. Anyone that guards her get and something else. So my Kamar, what does it mean she guards her get and something else? So the Gemara understands, Rabbi Yochanan seems to be saying, if she would lose her get, she would grab something else that's not her get, anything else, and she would protect that. That's the degree of competency you could still divorce her. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara says, That's just a, a general shota, meaning if she doesn't really understand the distinction between her get and something else, and she loses her get, she'll grab a, a rock and protect that instead. Clearly, she doesn't understand what a get is, so how could she be divorced? 
So Elam or Avhuna bar Manoach Meshmei Deravacha Bere Deravika calls Shemavchenes Ben Gitlo Davaracher. No, rather it's the opposite. She knows how to distinguish between her get and something else. Means she can tell this is a get, and that's the implication, and this is a rock, and that's not a get, or whatever it is, something else. So clearly then she knows the uh, level, she has the level of competency that she could actually be divorced. And that would be considered able to be Shilchami Beso, and she would be considered divorced. Okay, now that we introduced this concept of competency of a katana, we're going to continue on talking about kinyanim relating to children and how that affects, uh, competency affects kinyanim. So I'm reviewed on Ravasi. Reviewed us in the name of Ravasi. Soror Vizarko, if you have a child who can see a pebble, which is not significant, and he throws it away. Egos Vinotlo, when he sees a nut, meaning something of value, food item, Vinotlo, and he takes it. So there's some level of competency here. So if you descend in the name of Avasi, he can create kinyanim for himself. There is debate, Rashitosis, is Dereis or Drabanan, but let's just go. He can create uh, kinyanim, acquisitions for himself, but he cannot do kinyanim for other people, right? There is a halacha, you can make kinyanim for somebody else. You find a hundred bucks in the street, you pick it up and say, I want somebody else to have that, it actually transfers. So such a katan has the ability to make kinyanim for himself, not for others. That's that level. Now this is considered, according to Ravido Maravasi, a higher level. If he, you give him an item, you give the katan an item, and he'll return it after an hour. Right? You give a kid an item, sometimes a little kid, they don't have the intelligence to realize you want it back later. So, But if he's a level, he'll return it afterwards. So he's on a higher level of competency, and he can even make acquisitions or kinyanim for other people. That was Rav Yehuda quoting Ravasi's position. Now Rav Yehuda said, when I said it in front of Shmuel, this halacha of Ravasi, Omar Li Shmuel said, Both of these levels of competency are the same. So my David Achasi, what does it mean they're the same? Omar of Chizr of Chizr explained, Echad Zeh ve'echad Zeh, Zoche la'atzmo ve'ein Zoche la'acherim. In both scenarios, the child can only create kinyanim for himself and not for other people. So even what you described as the higher level of competency, where the child can uh, return an item that was given to him after an hour, that's only able to do kinyanim for himself, not for others. So Shmuel argues on Ravasi. Masiv Rav Chinana, I skipped it. Meaning, we're going to see, there appears to be from the following Mishnah in Erevin, that such a child actually could create kinyanim even for other people. So Rav Chinan of Ardan says, the Mishnah tells us in Erevin. Now we know that there's a halacha of shitufe muvos. So what does that mean? It used to be, you learned Erevin, right? You start, where did you start, Dafyomi, from? Psachim. Oh, okay. So, so I, did, I, didn't, I didn't start with Erevin either. I started Rosh Hashanah. So the halacha is like this. You live in a courtyard, so you, different houses in a courtyard you can join together with Erevei Chatzeros. That creates an Erev within the courtyard. But then courtyards surround a Mavoy, which is an alleyway, and you want to join that all together so you can carry from one courtyard to another on Shabbos. So the halacha would be you create what's called Shitufei Muvos. Shidufim Mavos means you create a partnership between all the inhabitants surrounding this alleyway, i.e. all the different houses and all the different courtyards around this area. Now this is all rabbinic in nature. 
So the halacha is one of the people in that mavoy, in that courtyard, in that uh, alleyway surrounding it, take a barrel of wine or some food item, puts it inside. Everyone owns part of it, and that creates a partnership to carry. So the Mishnah there says like this: Ketzad mishdat fin bemavoy. How? What's the procedure of creating this shituf, this joining? So you put down a barrel of wine. The Omer, and then the person who puts it down says, This wine will be for all the inhabitants, owned by all the inhabitants of the alleyway. All the courtyards and houses surrounding it take a part in this. Now, how does he transfer ownership to part of it to everyone in the courtyard? Either he could create the transfer through his children who are adults, or through his servants who are Jewish, his male or female servants who are Jewish, which means he can, they can acquire it on behalf of all the inhabitants in the in the in the alleyway. So the Gemara says, wait a second. Hi shifcha What's the example of his shifcha of his maidservant that he owns this maidservant and this maidservant creates a transfer which is mezakel acherim for other people. If she already had two pubic hairs and she's a nara, so we're going to learn in Maseches Kiddush, and we mentioned this a few times, that the halacha is, she goes free, she's not owned anymore. And Amma Evriya, who has two pubic hairs, is not owned. So my Bayagabes, why is she still with this master? Elolav, it must be. She did not develop to the period of Nairus yet. She's still a Kitana, and she's still owned by this master. Vikatani, and yet the Mishnah in Erevin is teaching us, they could transfer ownership of this barrel to other people. So says Ravchenin of Ardan against Ravchizda, what do you see from this? That even a child who's not a Nari yet, a Kitana, could create Kenyanim for other people. So you see, you see, it's not only for themselves, it's for other people too. So Rav Chizda answers back, Shani You can't ask a kasha from there. Shetufei Mavos, as I introduced, is all a law that's only rabbinic in nature. Because Midairaisa, they're not considered in a Rosh Hashanah. I mean, you could carry, actually, between these areas. So therefore, since it's rabbinic in nature, a katan or a katan could create a kinyan for other people. But when it comes to kinyan, things of a Daraisa nature, they would not be able to. Um, Rav Chizda, and Rav Chizda commented on this conversation, Ishtik Vardan. Rav Chizda Vardan, he was quiet. means there was some response that he could have answered to my response. My what could he have said? So the Gemara says, He could have answered, Any establishment the rabbis make, They always make it in the same nature as the Daraisa ruling. So therefore, Rav Vardan could have said, even though this is rabbinic in nature, that's true. The fact that they could make kinyanim on a rabbinic matter for other people implies on a Daraisa level, they could also make kinyanim if it's a Daraisa matter. So from this you see, even for Daraisa type things, they could acquire for others. So therefore the question should still stand. The Idach, but Rav Chizda would respond to that still. When do we say it's true? The rabbi's establishments are on the level or in the nature of a Daraisa. That's only Bemilsa de Isla Ikr Torah. That's only a rabbinic enactment that's based on a principle from the Torah. So, like for example, I saw our school brings down uh, Trumus and Maestras. Midairaisa, there's only a few species that have Trumus and Maestras. The Rabbanan extended it that there's a, more of a Trumus and Maestras on other things too. So, that's a rabbinic thing on a Daraisa enactment. There you could say they're similar in nature. Avomilsa de Lesla Ikrmina Torah. 
but something that is not based on any principle from the Torah, which is the case of Shitufe Muvos. On a Doraisa level, this entire area is able to be carried in. There's no Isser Doraisa at all. The Rabbanan came along and said, there's an Isser Doraisa, and you want to fix that up, so lo, you can't say that's similar to the Doraisa, and therefore says Rav Chizda, maybe here there could be a Kenyan for other people for it, through a child, but on a Doraisa thing, as Rav Chizda is explaining Shmuel, he would not be able, this child would not be able to create Kenyanim for other people. All right, we're going to stop here. Top of Samachay. Bizarre Shem will pick up tomorrow with Samachay. We'll continue this discussion um, regarding children's abilities to transfer, etc. Everyone have a great day. Okay.